Well, it's, uh, it's exciting, man. My parents are here. I told them at dinner tonight, I said, you guys don't mind if I preach for an hour and a half or two hours, right? You guys never get to hear me preach, so I'll take advantage of it, and they didn't laugh. So uh, I guess that meant no. So, uh, but I'm excited. I believe God uh, has given me a word that I want to share with you tonight, and I believe that it will impact you if you allow it to. I believe God wants you to leave this place knowing that he is for you, that you are a person with power, spiritual power. You are a person with authority. You don't have to walk with your head down every time there's a devil around you think, well, I'm defeated again. You don't have to live in defeat. You can live in victory. And tonight, I want you to leave this place knowing that you have a God that is for you. You are not like every other man out there. You have a God who is for you. And so tonight, without further ado, I'd like to read a few scriptures from Judges chapter 16, verse chapter 4. We're going to be talking about Samson and Delilah tonight. And it says this in Judges chapter 16, verse 4. After this, he loved a woman in the valley of Sorek, whose name was Delilah. And the lords of the Philistines came up to her and said to her, Seduce him and see where his great strength lies, and by what means we may overpower him, that we may bind him to humble him. And we will each give you 1,100 pieces of silver. So Delilah said to Samson, please tell me where your great strength lies and how you might be bound that one could subdue you. And Samson said to her, I mean, he loved her, right? So, I mean, she's asking, so he's got to tell her, right? And so he said to her, if they bind me with seven fresh bowstrings that have never been dried, then I shall become weak and be like any other man. For a few moments tonight, I just want to talk about that idea, that topic right there, like any other man. You've heard a few stories. Thank you, Ben. You did a great job. Great, great job. But, um, yeah, give him a round of applause. Ben. Yeah, Ben. Ben, 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 Ben. Okay. Growing up, you've heard some of the stories I've told you. My parents are here. They can attest to the truth of some of the stories that I've told you. You've probably thought, no way did he really cut every seat in their brand new van with a knife. Did he really do that? I really did that. What an obnoxious six-year-old, right? Man, did he really do the things? You can, I can attest. They can attest that these are true stories. And growing up all the way from senior kindergarten, because in Canada, I think here too, there's junior kindergarten and senior kindergarten. No, there's just uh, kindergarten. All right, fantastic. Well, well, the school I went to, there was junior kindergarten. It was almost like preschool and then senior kindergarten. Then you went first grade through eighth grade. And I went to the same private school from senior kindergarten all the way through eighth grade. Now, we were forced to be like every other person because we wore a uniform. We had these beautiful blue, not denim, pants, and we had to wear white shirts, and we had these brown, like, chocolatey brown uh, vests, and it was ugly, and everything that you can imagine right now. And the, the thing is, you had very, very peculiar ways that you could show your personality. 
And so one of those peculiar ways happened to be the way that you did up your pencil box in class. So some people would take, you know, uh, pictures and they would tape them on the inside of their pencil cases. So you'd open it up and they'd have like maybe they would have sketched something and they'd cut it out and paste it on their uh, pencil box. Or maybe they'd uh, maybe they'd have everything pristine, all the colors in uh, color coordinated, or maybe they'd have their colors in alphabetical order. I don't know. But however it was, this was one of the fashions that you could show I'm not exactly like everyone else. No matter how my clothes may look, I'm not quite like everyone else. But there was one young man by the name of Nathan Duplay. And Nathan Duplay, he was a very unique young individual. And he was so cool. And I don't know why, because he wasn't. But as a kid, I thought for sure he's got it going on. And what Nate would do is he would take out his pencil box and he would start all across his desk, and it was all discombobulated, and we had these little skateboards that you could ride with two fingers, little flipboards, and he would ride them all over all these pencils and pencil boxes, and he would play all class time, and I was, I'd sit there a row back from Nate, and I'd be like, wow, man, he's so cool. And so Brendan, instead of being the individual that my parents had taught me to be, I would start to lay out my pencils and open up my pencil box, and I'd get one of those little finger skateboards, and I would try and do the exact same thing. It was just so surreal looking back. And Nate was quite obnoxious, actually. He uh, he would drum with his pencil sticks. All your my teachers here are like, oh, I hate those kids, right? And he would drum, tap constantly tap on everything all the time and where's Alexander there's my boy hey what's up dude and he would he would just tap and tap and tap and tap and very soon I thought wow there must be something to this tapping and so Brendan in all of his cleverness decided I was gonna start tapping and, and, and the teacher, I guess, had room enough in her brain for one tapper, but two tapper, no, 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 no. And I can tell you, I wrote many a line saying, I will not tap my, tap my pencils in class. I will not tap my pen. And if you got caught twice, yeah, another hundred lines, right? And so I wrote it. Here's the thing. Nate was an individual. And Brendan, what was I trying to do? I was trying to be like somebody else. Somebody I wasn't meant to be. Somebody who wasn't me. Let's talk about averages for a second. Did you know the average man is five foot nine point eight inches? Average woman is five foot four inches. Not bad. The average woman gets married around twenty seven. The average man, this is in 2018, gets married around 29. The average age of death is seventy eight point seven four years, so almost seventy nine years. The average mile takes about 20 minutes to walk and 10 minutes to run, give or take, right? Average, average. How about this, typing? And I think this is on a keyboard, not on a a cell phone. And it's 40 words per minute. I'm sure most of you could go a lot faster on some of your cell phones. The average salary here in 2018 in the United States is $51,939. The average electric bill is $110. I told my wife today, we're above average, sweetheart. And uh, (laughs) the heart rate, the average heart rate is somewhere between 60 and 100 BPM. And for all of my students about to jump into the ACTs at the end of this year, the average score in Louisiana is 19.5. 
although I think you need a 21 to pass. So that's not so good, Louisiana. So glad I didn't have to take the ACTs. Praise the Lord. Average in many ways can be good, especially if it was an electric bill that was $110. But when it comes to the things of God, we need to be anything but average. We need to be anything other than like anybody else, everybody else. See, God is calling you and I, us, to walk in spiritual authority. He's calling you and I, us, to walk in power. He's calling us to prayer lives that some of us don't even have right now. He's calling some of us to walk out on waters we've never walked before. He's calling some of us to go places in the spirit realm that some of us have been scared to go. But God is calling us to not be like every other person that we work with. God is calling some of you students to not be like every other student that you go to school with. But he's calling you to be people of God. He's calling you to be people who are called out by him. God has called us to be powerful people. People of the word, ready to tread on serpents and defy the limitations of normalcy by leaning heavy into the spiritual things and heavenly things of God. Can I say this for a minute? Your best days are not behind are behind are not behind you. Your best days are yet to come. God has placed his calling, his power, his authority, all of that on your life for this day, this age, this time. You know, God, he, He's limitless, right? We understand this. We we like we can't comprehend it, but it's the truth. If God wanted Moses, yes, Moses, the man that led all those Israelites, all those bickering Israelites out of Egypt, if God wanted Moses to walk in shoe leather in 2018, guess what? You know where Moses would have been? In 2018. If if God wanted Peter and Paul to reach and go to, to be working at the place that you work at right now and go to school where you guys go to school, guess what would have happened? Peter and Paul would have been at your work and he would have been at your schools. But do you know what? God puts you there. You know why? Because he has a plan for your life, a purpose for your life, so that in these last days there will be a remnant, there will be a lighthouse on a hill that cannot be hid. The problem is, so many of us would rather fit in. So many of us would be like to be like every other person. We were not placed on this earth to be average. We were placed on this earth to be the people of God. The truth is, though, it can be so, so, so incredibly easy to compromise our purpose for the pursuit of pleasure. God is calling us to not compromise our purpose for the the pursuit of pleasure, but to lay down every weight that does so easily beset us. But here's the thing. I started with the story tonight, the story of Samson and Delilah. And you guys know this story. I mean, most people, even if you didn't grow up in church, have probably heard the story of Samson and Delilah. You know that by the end of the story, what? Samson compromised. Oh, not at first he didn't, but he started to. First he started to dip his toes in the water of pleasure, all for the sake of normalcy. 
You look at that, this story, and uh, Samson finds Delilah, and he decides she's the one I want. And, and she says, well, if you love me, and obviously with a little bit of bribery from a few of the enemies of Samson, and, he, and they say, we're going to give you a ton of money. All you need to do is find out this guy's source of strength. And here's Samson, yes, the man who is the judge of Israel, the man who is leading the nation of Israel, this man with super strength who is told not to touch any dead bodies, not to drink any strong wine, never to put clippers to his hair. And here is Samson, this man with all this strength. Literally, the Bible tells us, man, such a cool story. Go read Judges 15 and 16. He literally takes off the gates of a city carries them up a hill, and, like, I mean, talk about a couple of reps, right? Like, I mean, the guy knew how to, he, he knew what he was doing, and, and this guy, with all this strength, was just killing Philistines left and right, and so finally, when the Philistines, his enemy, see that he's giving in to some sort of pleasure that he probably shouldn't, they use it to his adva- their advantage, and they say, Delilah, we'll give you a bunch of money, just tell us, what is his strength? And so Samson looks at her after, I'm sure she was really sweet, and she probably made his favorite meal, and she probably buttered him up and said, oh, Samson, your muscles are so big. Wow. Woo. You know, like I'm sure. And Delilah, she got him to the point where he said, well, baby, this is all you need to do. Honey, this is it right here. You just, you, you, you tie me up with some bowstrings that have never been, never been dried before, and I will be like any other man. Delilah asked him the source of his strength, and here he was, all for the sake of normalcy, saying, I will be like any other man. I know God's called me to do great things, but if you will do this thing to me, I'll be like everybody else. I'll be normal. I will put my calling aside. I'll be like everybody else. Delilah, all for your love. And so she pulled the heist, and she pulls the, 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 the wool over Samson's eyes, so to speak. And clearly Samson did not have a problem with, with this. Clearly he did not have that mind, the thought of being, he didn't have an issue with being like every other man. Because he goes on again, because the Bible says, uh, she runs into the room and says, Samson, they're here. And he takes those bowstrings and busts them and chases them out. And Delilah, she cries, and she pulls the quick one over Samson and says, you don't love me, you don't love me. And he says, I do love you. And she said, if you really love me, you tell me the truth. And, and so this, this charade goes on, and, and he tells her again, well, no, 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 it's actually these new cords. If you put these new cords on, and literally the Bible again, it quotes Samson saying, I will be like any other man. Again, he says it. Again, he says, like any other man, I'm, I'll, be, I'll be weak. I'll be like any other man. And so she does it again. He falls asleep, and she tries these new chords. And no, Samson, the Philistines are here. He wakes up, you know, rockies them. And, and, and she cries again and does it again. And then Samson, watch, he, he comes closer and closer to the line that he swore he would never compromise. And he finally says, well, if you'll braid my hair, if, you, if you'll braid my hair, then I'll be like any other man. I'll be like any other man. And so she does this. He falls asleep. And, and once again, he wakes up, busts it out, and he runs after them. And still, he's got that power. He's got that authority. And he's not like every other man. And finally, he breaks down on this final time and says, Delilah, all you need to do is cut my hair. And he compromises. 
It puts the calling of God, the purpose of God, the authority of God, the power of God, all the things of God that God had so particularly placed on his life for the time that he was alive, the things that God had planned for his life, he was willing to lay down all in the pursuit of pleasure, pursuit of the moment, rather than the pursuit of the eternal. And so Samson says, Delilah, if you'll just shave my head, darling, then I'll be like any other man. And one of the saddest scriptures in all of the Bible shows up. Verse 9, now she had the men lying in ambush. This is after she's done it all. Be, uh, if they, sorry, sorry. <clears throat> so while he slept, and he told her all of his heart and said to her, a razor has never come upon my head, for I have been a Nazarite to God from my mother's womb. If my head is shaved, then my strength will leave me, and I shall become weak and be like any other man. This is verse 18. When Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, Come up again, for he has told me all his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up to her and brought the money in their hands. She made him sleep on her knees, and she called a man and had him shave off the seven locks of his head. Then she began to torment him, and his strength left him. And she said, Philistines are upon you, Samson. And he awoke from his sleep and said, I will go out as as the other times and shake myself free. But he did not know that the Lord had left him. Moses, finally, there was Samson, just like every other man. There was Samson who was willing to compromise and compromise, push the limit, push the limit. Despite his calling, knowing that he was called of God to do great things, he was saying, you know what, this momentary this momentary goodness is worth everything that, that God has given me. And he lays it down at Delilah's feet and comes to the point where he doesn't even realize that the Spirit of God has left him. You may not cross your lines outright at first, but the longer you flirt with the idea of being just like every other man, the more ground you will turn over to the enemy. And before you know it, you are zapped of power, you're zapped of ambition, you're zapped of purpose, and all of a sudden you're at a place where you said, how did I get here? You're going, you're looking at your marriage, you're looking at your friendships, you're looking at your personal life, you're looking at your finances, and you're going, how did I get here? I was just trying to be like every other man. What Samson saw as a curse, his strength, God had given to him for a blessing. Here's the truth, life point. You are not called to be like every other family. Your marriage is not called to be like every other marriage. Parents, you're not called to parent like every other parent. Young people, you're not called to live like every other young person. People in this church, you're not called to live like every other person in Louisiana. They, you're called to be different. Your marriage is meant to be unshakable. Your family is meant to be impactful. Your parenting to impart truth into your kids. Your teenage years are meant to be influential. Your life is meant to be important. Don't compromise. Don't be like every other man. Don't let the enemy of your soul lie to you and tell you that you need to be just like everybody else. Don't settle for a second fiddle and average life. Push for what God has called you to do. Can you imagine, imagine with me for a moment, if Samson had just kind of pushed Delilah aside, said, you know what, I'm not even going to go down that path. 
God's not called me to be like every other man. What if Samson had done that? How would this ver- these verses of the Bible be different? I mean, we read about him killing thousands of people with the jawbone of a donkey. We read about him lifting city gates. We, we read all about these really neat stories. How many more exploits could he have done if he had just said, I'm a man of God? And what are the things that God's got lined up in your life to do? What are the things he's got lined up in your kids' lives to do? What has he got lined up in your friends' lives to do, in, in, in the students that you're around? What does he have in store for them if you will not say, well, I'm just going to sit here for a while and hang out with Delilah, but instead you stand up and say, no, 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 that's not what I'm called to do. That's not my purpose. You need to push beyond this. You see, in Scripture, there was another man that was placed in a position of compromise as well. A position that most of us probably would never want to find ourselves in. He was placed in a position where the whole earth literally was at his fingertips to possess. He was in a position to flaunt his power and his authority. And we can read all about this story in Matthew chapter 4. And it says, then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. And then Matthew continues to tell the story of the devil starting to tempt Jesus. It's very similar, actually. It's kind of eerie, but but there's Delilah tempting Samson, saying, Where, what's the source of your power? Show me. Make Be like everybody else. And here's the devil saying, hey, Jesus. Hey, bud. Want to be like everybody else? Want to be like every other man? Here, turn these stones into bread. Eat. You fasted 40 days? I mean, the Bible, without really having to tell us, tells us that he was hungry. And the devil looks at Jesus and says, why don't you be like every other man that would, after a 40-day fast, love some bread? And what does Jesus do? Unlike Samson, he knew within himself, I will not compromise. I'm not going to give in to this thought that I can be like any other man. Because I'm here with a purpose. I'm here with a passion and a plan. And because of the purpose that God has put inside of me, there is going to be a whole world that will be saved from the hell of eternity because of the fact that I will not compromise my purpose for this momentary moment. And there's Jesus standing. Oh, so cool. He stands on the word of God. For it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. Woo. You know, here's the coolest part about that. He, he doesn't even leave one chapter of the Bible. Literally. Jesus doesn't jump all over the Bible to beat Satan in this little, uh, you know, trilogy of, 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 of temptations. Thank you, Valerie. Man, mother-in-laws are fantastic. But he doesn't even leave one chapter of the Bible for this trilogy of temptations. He stays right in one chapter in Deuteronomy and beats the devil three times with Scripture. 
If you want to understand how important scripture is, you don't have to go any further than Matthew chapter 4. If my Jesus can stare the devil in the face and throw three scriptures at him and he flees, you better believe that every scripture that you read, every time you open up a chapter of the Bible during Renew 52, you're getting into the power of the word. You're getting into what's going to give you life, what's going to give you authority, what's going to defeat the enemy in your life. But Jesus, there he was, standing not backing down from the devil, not compromising, not saying, well, maybe if I just turn one of these, you know, pebbles into a scone, maybe that'll be okay. No, he doesn't compromise one iota. He says, I am made for more than just this moment. I'm not like every other man. Take back your walk with God. Don't compromise the eternal for the momentary. Jesus had a purpose to fulfill. So when the devil tempted him with the bread, the power, and the possessions, he was able to quote scripture and show the devil his purpose was more important. So I have this question to pose to you tonight. Here you are on this Wednesday night. You could be anywhere else, right? It's been a long day at work. It's been a long day of living the summer life. But here you are at Life Point, this midweek service, and I've got to ask you, is your purpose more important than any momentary thing that may come at you? Is your purpose more important, that that passion, the thing that God has placed inside of you, the thing that God has called you to do, is it more important than maybe compromising to the left or to the right? And maybe knowing that if I do compromise, no one at church will find out. If I do compromise, my wife won't find out, my my husband won't find out, my kids won't find out. If I do compromise, my best friends won't find out. If I do, is your purpose more important than that? Are you wanting, what, what are you living for? Are you living to be just like every other coworker that you work with? What are you living for? Are you are you living for the your peers and the admiration of those around you? Are you, are you wanting to acquire the riches of this world? Are you wanting your kids to be the most liked kid or the, the best player on the baseball team? Or What are you living for? Are your thoughts and your ambitions the things that God is calling you to do? What, what is he calling you to do? What's he calling your family to do? We're walking into the new normal, and I, I, can't, I can't lie to you, I, I'm pumped. I don't know if I've been more excited about anything in my life when it comes to church. Like this is, this. I've never been a part of a transition like this. And I'm literally stoked. Like I'm so excited to see where God takes life point. And I believe it's going to take the work of every person in this room tonight. It's going to take every person going, do you know what? I've got friends that need Jesus Christ. I've got people in my life that need what I've got. And maybe your purpose and your passions, you've looked and you've gone, what am I here for? Why am I? You're here with a purpose. God's got you here for a purpose. Our pastor says it all the time, but when God works, he works in family. And so if maybe, maybe you're wondering, well, I don't know anybody around here. Do you have some family members maybe? Because God wants to work through you. He wants to work in you, but he wants to work through you. And he wants to take this church to another level. See, this church isn't just like any other church. 
Because I believe the miraculous happens here. I believe hope is seen here. I believe life is found here. This church isn't just like any other church. If it was, we could close the doors and we could all move down to some other church. But we're here with a purpose. And God's given us this residence here at Airline and Daggle. And I believe God's put us here for such a time as this. So what is your purpose? What's your passion? What's God calling you to do? And are you compromising or are you fulfilling what God's called you to do? Let's stand tonight. I believe God is speaking to some minds tonight. I believe God's speaking to some hearts tonight. Even right now, saying it's time to separate yourself. You've allowed yourself to become too close to to some friends, to some personalities. You've allowed yourself to think some thoughts that are not of me. You've allowed your your, your life to get marred and, and, and just kind of slowed down by the busyness of life. You've allowed the things of this world to kind of get its hooks in you. But this is the greatest thing about our God. You know, all it takes is one of these. God, I surrender all. I lay it down at your feet. God, I've been walking in this direction. Oh, where, man, VBS, Alexander, you killed it, bud. But it's just that turning around. <laughs> and that's all it is. It sounds, it sounds simple, but it really is simple. It's taking a, making a decision on a Wednesday night and living with it on Thursday and then living with it on Friday, and then living with it on Saturday. It's making a decision and saying, God, I'm not going to be like everybody else. I'm not going to lay down my calling, my power, my authority, the way that Samson laid it down, because you've called me for such a time as this. It's time to be a part of the royal priesthood that God's called you to be a part of. All of us get so excited every time that Prince Harry and his brand new wife get in the news and we we have to buy the latest People magazine or click on the newest link, right? Why? Because they're different. They're they're, they're not like everybody else. But if you could only see from heaven's point of view who you are, if you could only see from heaven's point of view who you are, You're a royal priesthood. You're a peculiar people. You're not just somebody. You're not a nobody. You're you're a child of God. So tonight, as they play this music, I want you to raise your hands in this place, all across this place. I want you to open up your heart, open up your mind. God, if I've tried to be like anybody else, if I've tried to make it normal not to follow you, God, I repent. I'm turning away from that right now. That's it, Life Point. Let's repent from our hearts right now. If you've allowed something inside of you that you know isn't supposed to be there, lay it down at his feet. God, we surrender all, God. You've called us to be a royal priesthood, a peculiar people, God. You've called us to be people of power and authority. God, I pray that anointing on this church right now, God. Let us be set apart, God, in Prairieville. Let us be set apart across Ascension Parish.